Welcome back to On the Same Page. I'm Claire Shanahan. And I'm Emma Kirsting. On the Same Page is an Ithacan podcast where we dive into top stories in news, sports, and life and culture each week. First up this week, sophomore assistant news editor Kai Link will share updates on how students are impacted by COVID-19 cases in residence halls. Then, senior reporter Jaden Davis tells us about the re-recognition process for student organizations. And finally, junior sports reporter David Schroeder gives us an update on the women's soccer team following their first ever Liberty League championship win last fall. I'm here with Kai Link, who's a sophomore journalism student, the Ithacan's assistant news editor, and this week she wrote the news front story. So Kai, tell me what that story was about. So this week's story for the front was about COVID-19 and the college's housing policies. Last year, they had a separate isolation space dedicated to students who had COVID-19 so that they could isolate away from their roommates. But this year, as a lot of that COVID-19 infrastructure has been kind of dissolved, they have stopped providing housing for students if they'd like to isolate. So a lot of students who have had roommates start to test positive for COVID have had concerns about where to sleep. And we actually encountered a few students who either had to sleep with their friends, one student slept in the lounge of his dorm, and some other students just went home because they weren't able to find accommodations from the Office of Residential Life. Great. So if there was one point you wanted people to take away from reading this story, what might that be? I'd say the biggest thing is probably just for students to advocate for themselves. Um, Definitely there isn't really a lot of policy in place right now from the Office of Residential Life, but the director of the Office of Residential Life and Student Conduct and Community Standards, Laura Davis, told me that Um, If students just take the time to talk to their RA, talk to their RD, try and find a solution, then they can see if there's an opportunity for them to try and find some alternative housing or find another solution that would work for them. What was the most difficult part of reporting the story and what was maybe the most interesting? Yeah, so at first, the hardest part was actually trying to find sources because the initial tip we got was that a student was sleeping in their lounge. But once I talked to the student, it turned out that he works for the Ithacan's photo and video teams. So I could not interview him. Um, So instead, I found some other RAs. I tried to see if students would talk to me. But honestly, a lot of students weren't comfortable going on the record and talking about having COVID or their roommates having COVID. So I had to find some students who were okay talking to me. And once I finished the article, I've suddenly found so many students who are willing to talk with me. But that's the way it goes. So overall, I was just really grateful that there were some students who are willing to share their experiences with me. Well, what was the most interesting or maybe like your favorite part of reporting this story? I think the most interesting part for me was getting to speak to the RAs because they had so much passion about their jobs and about the students that they work with. And it was really cool to see how dedicated they are to their students and also to see how they try and work with the Office of Residential Life and try and work with their students and try and just like bridge the gap between the two groups. So it was really interesting to see how those students are working to support our campus community. It was also really interesting to see how colleges and the country as a whole are trying to shift away from any type of COVID-19 infrastructure or protocol. So currently, the college is following guidance from the CDC and from other colleges, um, but it's interesting to see how 
the college is trying to phase out most of this infrastructure, but still try and provide some other opportunities for students to receive support. Um, so it's interesting to kind of find that balance between trying to move past COVID-19 and trying to ensure that if there are still people who are affected by COVID-19, they still can have some resources. Yeah. So when you talk about resources, are you just saying like the opportunity to work with your RA and figure something out? Or is there something like more concrete there? For the most part, the Office of Residential Life provides the opportunity to connect with an RA and discuss some more personal circumstances, but also there is a new sick meal protocol. So that way, if students don't feel well enough to go to the dining hall or they're worried about kind of spreading whatever illness they have, not just COVID, it's for any illness, they can receive a meal pass from an RA and they can give it to a friend who can go to the dining hall and pick up some food for them. So that's one kind of support that the Office of Residential Life has added this year. And also they're currently working on some more posters with some updates just to post around the college. That way students have some more clear information about the policy and what they should do if they test positive for COVID-19. Who were your sources in this story? Who did you actually eventually get to speak to? Originally, I was able to speak with RAs because they had a more like general picture of the protocols from the Office of Residential Life, and they had actually worked with the students. So they had both sides of the story, which was interesting. So originally, I spoke with Alvin Yang. He's a junior RA in Landon Hall, and his resident was actually the resident that was sleeping in the hall. Technically, it was a resident from a different floor, but he worked with that resident who was sleeping in the hall lounge, and he gave me some details about um, just the process of trying to see if there was anything that they could do for the student. And then he tried to share some other sources with me. So I connected with a different RA, Shannon Connor, and she gave me some other information. She's had two residents who approached her about trying to find another space to stay because of COVID-19 and trying to isolate. I also spoke with senior Julia Stitely, and they told me that they have had two scares with COVID-19 where their suite mates have developed COVID-19 and then um, they were trying to find a space to stay. They didn't receive much support from the Office of Residential Life, so they ultimately had to find their own space to stay while their roommates were sick. Great. So this week you are a writer and reporter, but every week you're also the assistant news editor. And something I like to ask when we have editors is, do you have anything currently in the works from the new section for the next couple of weeks that you're excited about and want to give us a little teaser of? We have a lot of new staff writers on our news team. So we've had a lot of new content coming in, which is super exciting. So we've been working to create some new like multimedia content, which will be coming out. So there'll be a reel posted about my story that you can keep your eyes out for. And then uh, we're doing some more investigative reporting with our new writers. And we're also doing some more look into things. So following up on stories that we've covered over the past year and ultimately just trying to keep finding more stories. Well, that sounds great. And we'll definitely keep an eye out for all of that content. Thank you so much, Kai. Thank you. Here with me today, I have Jaden Davis, who has written an article this week about re-recognizing student organizations for the life and culture section of the Ithacan. 
Hi, my name is Shaden Davis. I'm a senior journalism major, and I'm also a senior writer and photographer for The Ithacan. Um, thank you for having me. In your own words, could you describe what is this article about? Yeah, so this article takes a look at the recognition process that clubs at the Ithaca College have to kind of go through. So for clubs that are new, there's a whole separate process. And then for returning clubs, there's another process. So for new clubs, you just have to pretty much come up with like the name of the club, what they're going to do, have like a nice like journal body of members, and of course an e-board. And then for the returning clubs, it's just more about just like updating their um, engage page, their constitution, and also taking a quiz and attending SLIs. So two different processes, and of course, more, more focusing on the re-recognition process, a lot of um, people that have done it before are just kind of saying that it's just very difficult to kind of do everything at once and kind of also run a club at the same time. So they're just very mixed opinions about just the um, recognition process as a whole. So for this article, you said you focused more on re-recognizing clubs? I did focus on a lot of like established clubs already. The newer club that I focused on was the Mexican Heritage Club. It's a brand new club at the college that's focusing just on um, kind of bringing awareness to Mexican culture at Ithaca College. And they're currently going through the recognition process for the first time. So I spoke to them about that. And then I also spoke to the Disney Club, which of course was first started in 2021, but they kind of unfortunately didn't get recognized the following year just because a lot of people weren't attending the club anymore. And they also weren't going to like some of the Zoom watch parties that they used to host so there's just less members so unfortunately that club is still working on getting recognized again i also spoke to the nerf club which is a really popular club so not really having issues with members just getting kind of like their thoughts on just the recognition process or being re-recognized in, in this instance and then i also spoke to the nutrition club same thing as well very successful but also kind of feels that the recognition process can be a little bit easier and a little bit more accessible Let's see, and that's pretty much it for the clubs I spoke to, yeah. So, from my understanding, the re-recognition process is, at times, can be, sounds like a lot to do. It sounds like quite the undertaking. Could you elaborate a little bit on the different steps? Earlier you mentioned attending SLIs. Mm -hmm. um, could you explain that to people who may be unfamiliar? Yeah, so for... For clubs that have to get, like, re-recognized, yes, they have to attend an SLI, which are just kind of, like, student-led sessions that they kind of have to attend, and they learn a lot, a little bit of information about just, like, how, like, running a club works and stuff like that. So that's some of the things they have to do. They also have to update their IC Engage page. So pretty much every club is on IC Engage, and they have, like, a page of, like, members, stuff like that. So they have to update that. They also have to take a quiz, and this quiz is just kind of testing about how to use certain things like 25 Live, which is um, important to kind of book rooms and also kind of um, host events as well. They get tested on just kind of the um, different functions that each kind of facility around campus kind of is about. And of course, the student organization handbook. So that's what the quiz is going to be based off of, just them knowing like all the knowledge and stuff like that. And a few people in particular, the president of the IC Nerve Club spoke about how it's really important for like all the member, all the e-board members to kind of get a sense of like how to run a club, different facilities, different things that they should know about. And while others were just kind of more like, mm, like maybe the quiz isn't that important. I was just kind of leaning more towards like, just like 
time and just managing everything and just having everything done by a certain time, which of course the deadline for clubs getting recognized is December 8th. And then unfortunately, if they're not recognized by then, they have to wait until the next academic year. So the process starts August 1st and they have a grace period, which is just kind of a time where they can like operate normally as a club and just have all the privileges that are kind of provided by the Office of Student Engagement. And then once it's September 29th, then the grace period ends, and then pretty much around that time, they just still have to work towards being recognized. But they kind of, if they're not recognized at that time, they kind of have to do a lot of the stuff on their own. So that means like fundraising, kind of like, you know, booking spaces and stuff like that. So it gets very difficult. But again, it's just important that they get that deadline done, have everything finished by December 8th. So that's pretty much kind of the whole process that answers your question. (laughs) For your sources, you mentioned that you spoke to a lot of different student organizations Mm -hmm. and leaders in those organizations. So did you speak to anyone from the Office of Student Engagement? Yes, I spoke to, um, and this was unfortunately via email because they were really hard to kind of reach and everything like that, but Sarah Bonacci of the Office of Student Engagement, I spoke to her briefly, just kind of like helping me kind of, because I was having initial trouble kind of understanding everything, getting the actual like process down, just understanding, okay, this is what's going to happen. Like if a club doesn't get recognized, they can't go and do it in the spring. They have to do it by December 8th. So she just kind of broke that down for me and she was really helpful, but Yeah, I mean, I spoke to her, and then that's pretty much it. A lot of the information that I got was just kind of on their website, so I just had to kind of, like, break it down and make sure that it's able to be kind of understood, but also kind of follow up and understand, like, okay, like, so what do you mean by this data? Like, do they have to really do all this and stuff like that? And so one thing that she told me is that with the SLI, so the old thing was that the e-board members had to attend, like, one SLI, like, during the recognition process, so just that whole entire time from about, like, August 1st to December 8th. But now they can attend one every, like one one SLI per block. So that's for the whole entire academic year. So it's a little bit more easier, a little bit more accessible for them. And of course, she also mentioned that it technically isn't part of the recognition process. But like, again, it's something that they have to really do to be kind of, to kind of maintain their status as a recognized club. So those are kind of for the returning orgs and returning clubs, so... Great, thank you. Could you, for our listeners who have never written an Ithaca article, could you kind of explain what it was like for you to write this article? Yeah, so um, when I heard about the idea of just kind of talking about recognition process, I was, you know, pretty excited to kind of look and see what that's about because, like, we don't get to see a lot of times what these clubs kind of have to go through to really get recognized and really provide the things that they do for a lot of IC students. So, I was definitely like intrigued and stuff like that, so I went online to like the Office of Student Engagement page, looked at what they had to say and just kind of the steps. And then from there, I was just like, this is interesting. These are a lot of like, you know, a lot of steps, very intense. So in terms of how I chose my clubs and just kind of who I spoke to, I know that the Disney club, just kind of telling, going off of like what I said before, just wasn't recognized for a while. So I decided to talk to the vice president, Kathy Paliza, and she just kind of told me about just the whole story of like, yeah, they were a really popular club during 2021, but unfortunately due to kind of in-person events, becoming more prevalent again they kind of lost that recognition and they're trying to get it back now and then with that they want to expand and not just do watch parties they want to kind of do other things like karaoke nights and other stuff like that so i think that's that was something that was really cool kind of seeing their determination to continue to kind of like almost fight for 
you know, their recognition. And then I also spoke to the Nerf Club, like I mentioned before, because they're a really well-established club. But of course, I wanted to know, like, hey, what do you think about this? And like, what do you think about these rules? And what do you think about having to take a quiz, like, every single academic year? I'm not even sure if the questions even change. It's just, like, it's a very almost a repetitive process, especially for, for clubs that have been around for a while. And that kind of leads me on to the IC Nutrition Clubs. So like, Allie Hitchens was someone that I spoke to, and she told me that pretty much, like, it's just very repetitive. Like, she kind of wants to, like, be able to kind of do it a little bit more simpler and have a more simple process to do rather than just having to do the whole entire thing every single academic year, especially since that club has also been around for a while and very popular, so... That's what I was kind of getting in the response that I was hearing. And yeah, did I answer your question? Did it, was I trying to? Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. What is something new you learned in writing this article? Yeah, just to sum it all up, I mean, I learned just the fact that, again, just the processes of everything and how long everything takes, the amount of work that each club has to put in just to really, quote-unquote, operate normally, is it's a lot. So I learned that just pretty much that, like, you know, we, I guess, as students really have to be appreciative and really... You know, even if you're not even, like, interested fully into the club, just maybe check out their events. They put so much time, so much energy into everything. So it's just important to really appreciate these clubs and just even check them out. Even if it's just one event, right? For example, I went to the Murph Club just to check it out, and it's, you know, pretty interesting, pretty cool. But like I said, it takes a lot of work to do that. It's not just easy. They have to really budget things. They have to really advertise it well and all that is very helpful if they're recognized if they're not it's just pretty much by themselves they don't have the office of student engagement's help they have to kind of really do this process on their own and really get everything done so the fact of the matter is that they have to do all this work a to get recognized but also to maintain everything and make sure people come and members are coming is also very important so i think that's something that i learned is just to really appreciate the clubs and what they do on our campus so thank you so much no problem. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Is there anything else that you want to share? Yeah, I am working on a story about the child care facilities in the Circles Community Center. So I've been just kind of working with that for a while. And I'm excited to really do a follow up on that story because we talked about it. We wrote about it last semester and pretty much it's just that the Coddington Road Community Center is in a partnership with the Circles Community Center and they have a kind of daycare facility for children. So that's really interesting looking at child care. And but also like now that we've kind of like wrote about that, just kind of doing a follow up and seeing how it's going and just talking to people that live in circles you know is it like how, how how is it to have like a kind of daycare facility in like pretty much where you live I mean there's like college students and there's just now going to be like children as well so it's it's quite interesting for sure so I'm looking forward to kind of going into that and yeah I hope everybody kind of checks it out as well so thank you great thank you so much again Jaden for meeting with us that was Jaden Davis with an article about re-recognizing student organizations for the life and culture section of the Ithacan now I'm joined by David Schurter, a junior sports media major and staff writer for the Ithacan Sports Section. This week, David wrote the Sports Front story. Thanks for coming on on the same page. Yeah, thanks so much for having me today. Um, so to start off, can you just tell me what the Sports Front story was about this week? Um, give us a little bit of a breakdown. Yeah, sure. So as you know, the Ithaca College women's soccer program won their first Liberty League title in program history last year. And this year they come in with an even stronger squad and they're looking to not only build off of that Liberty League championship, but hopefully advance farther in the 
NCAA tournament and potentially win a national title. And so the center of this story was mostly about the newfound depth that the team has created with not only their new freshman class, but also the growth that the upperclassmen have had, as well as the sophomores and how they've all come together. And so there's like that team aspect of this story as well, and not just about the depth, but also the recruiting aspect of it. As I talked to coach Javier Mejia, who's the recruiting coordinator for the team. And so that was a lot of fun being able to learn a little bit more about the recruiting process, but also about some of the athletes, what they do, not only during practice, but also as a team outside of the practice. For you as a sports reporter and as a student athlete, um, was there anything, you know, especially interesting that you learned reporting this story that stuck out to you? Yeah, definitely. So I run cross country and track here at Ithaca. And so the way I joined the program is you, for division three, you're not offered scholarships for athletics. And so I reached out to head coach Jim Nichols about potentially joining the team as I come to Ithaca. And so I set up a conversation with him. We talked about what to expect, how much I would fit into the team and all that. And so the recruiting aspect was a little different just because compared to some of my other classmates on the team in my grade, others were actually recruited by the coach, whereas I reached out to him. And so I guess the the process really depends on like where you are as an athlete. And so, for example, I didn't have the talent level to like have coaches reach out to me from a multitude of different schools, but I was able to reach out to him to have what it takes to join the team. And so I guess this was interesting to me because it seems like in all the other sports here, the recruiting process is different where they keep in constant touch with the coaches and the athletes. And so I learned a little more about that. And I thought that was fascinating how recruiting starts as early as sophomore year high school, whereas for track and field, it's a little different. It starts like in the spring of your junior year or going into your senior year. And so just how early it begins, how much they keep in touch and like, especially the decisions that are made and all that. I think it's all very interesting. So that was something I found fascinating about writing this story. Great. So can you tell me about who the different sources are in this story? I know you mentioned one of them. Yeah. So I talked to head coach Mindy Quigg and she had a lot to say about the program and just about how much they're, what their mentality is going into each practice, how they put the team first and all that, and what she's seen from her athletes so far this season. And she definitely had a lot of a lot of positive things to say, and so that was great. I also talked to, obviously, recruiting coach Javier Mejia, and I asked him about, like, a day in his job and what he does as the recruiting coordinator. And so he gave me the gist of that and how he's keeping in touch with, like, future high school classes, for example, class of 2025, 2026. He's also looking at more future recruits and then as well as like maintaining contact with his current athletes on like checking in and all that, keeping up with them at practice and everything. And then I talked to two of the athletes on the team. One of them was junior Julia Casconi and I believe she was a transfer student. So she was not originally recruited to join the women's soccer program as she started out at Clarkson University. So 
remains in the Liberty League, but she told me that the spring of her freshman year, she was looking to go to a new school and she looked at Ithaca's physical therapy program because she's a PT major. And she told me she did a lot of research on that, reached out to the coaches and they were extremely welcoming to her and she got to meet the team, had a tour and all that. And so that had a little bit of some bit of a recruiting aspect to that, just because transfer students obviously want to know a little more about their prospective schools that they're hoping to move to. And so it was cool to learn about her background a little bit. Then I also talked to sophomore Ali Amari, and she's a part of a really talented sophomore class. And she talked to me about her recruiting process and how that began. And so being a little different from Julia, because obviously she spent her first two seasons here. And so for her, she began talking to them almost immediately. And it was great to know that that's how like the process worked. And I thought it was also cool just to get Julia's transfer perspective, because obviously when you're a transfer student, you don't know what to expect going to a new school and like starting over again. And so I thought that was great just to hear about that perspective and just being able to like essentially tell people's stories is something I look forward to when I write these features. I know another key theme in this story that you touched on a little bit is the bond between the team and the amount that they like work together in and out of practice and their dedication. And I'm wondering like outside of them just saying we're all dedicated and everything, like, did you get that sense from talking to them? Yeah, absolutely. I think when I was talking to them and not just the athletes, but also the coaches, they really put an emphasis on like selflessness, putting the team first and just especially what can they do individually every day, not just to improve as a athlete, but also to help the team improve. And so they really had that like sense of togetherness, all putting the team first and based on their record this season, they're off to a really great start for one and one. I think just having that strong start, especially it's really showing that every bit of like team aspects that they talked about when I was in a discussion with them is really coming to fruition and how they just really put the team first. They all support each other and there's no one, no one's above the other. Like even if you're like a senior captain or a fifth year, for example, I look at the leadership Academy. We talk about leading not only up, but across and down to our peers, it's, they essentially mimic that. And so it's great to see that that's what their program is all about. And I think that's what a lot of other programs, especially other schools should look to do as well, because they've really hit their stride and it looks like they're going to have really great success this season because of that. Yeah, that certainly sounds like an impressive relationship they have. And that brings us to the end of our conversation. So thanks so much, David. Thanks for having me again. This has been On the Same Page with Claire Shanahan and Emma Kirsting. Tune in next week to dive into more stories with the Ithacan's reporters and check out past episodes and other podcasts at theithacan.org or when you search the Ithacan anywhere you find podcasts. <laughs>